0: This is Frugal Living. If you're daunted by the idea of venturing into the wilderness to sleep on the ground, unprotected from the elements except for a nylon tent, you're not alone. It's daunting going camping, especially if you've never done it before. This week, I talked to Heather Salisbury. She's the co-founder of PNW Bushcraft a company that makes rugged outdoor products, and she's an outdoor enthusiast. Here's our conversation.
1: Hello, I'm Heather Salisbury, and I'm the owner and co-founder of P&W Bushcraft.
0: Again, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. We talk about frugal living, the idea of we don't have to spend a lot of money to have an incredible time or an incredible life. And it seems like what you do for a living falls into that pretty well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It certainly does. It certainly does. Nature is very inexpensive and very inviting.
0: (laughs) Well, what got you into it? Like what got you into the outdoor lifestyle?
1: Originally, my parents took us camping as young as I can remember, they'd put us in the car and take us to find a really cool spot next to a creek or river and we'd put up a tent and spend a week there. So it's been a lifelong love of being outdoors. And then, When I met my husband, he's a huge outdoor junkie, so we fit perfectly together, and it's just always been part of my life.
0: That's amazing. So for you, is it mostly camping and hiking, or are you fishing, hunting? What do you do out there?
1: Mostly I love hiking and camping. I'm a pretty, I don't want to say lazy, but I just like to do fun, relaxing stuff because I work really hard during the week, so when I get out in nature, I don't want to overdo it. I have gone fishing, but I never catch anything. So I'm much better cheerleader fishing than I'm actually fishing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way. A nice relaxing trip outdoors is just perfect in my mind. What's unique about you is this isn't just your hobby. This is your business. So this is a big, big part of your life. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is you're going to have some tips, hopefully, for how the rest of us can get into this, get outside and not overspend on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was actually really excited you reached out to me about this because we make outdoor gear for a living. So I, it is my life, but I'm really working hard on encouraging women to get outdoors. And I kind of wanted to share how it's not as expensive as people think it is to go camping. Like I really want people to learn that they can just go have that adventure without dropping, you know, a $1,000 on new equipment. So it's a perfect fit when you reached out about talking about it.
0: It can be really enticing to go to REI and drop (laughs) 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 $1,000. What do you actually need?
1: Yeah, so I was contemplating what people really need to go camping. And the basics are is anytime people talk about not having a good time camping, it involves them being tired, wet, or hungry, right? Three basic needs everyone has, but that's what can really ruin a camping trip. So I just wanted people to know that they can pick up a tent for like $25 at Walmart, They can pack food that doesn't need to be refrigerated, so they don't need a cooler. They can bring a Presto log, so they only have to light it with, you know, matches. They don't have to get an axe and a saw and chop down a tree, you know. So you can get out in nature without having to invest a lot. So those are some of the basics. And the other thing is, too, is you can rent camping equipment now. So you can see if you even like it by renting, and I don't think it's very expensive. Or you can have a friend that camps and go along for the trip, you know. So There's lots of ways for people to get outdoors without having to invest a ton of money.
0: I love that. That's all really good advice. One thing we did this year when we went camping is we went to a bunch of garage sales before we went out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you can't find (laughs) cheaper tents or cheaper like camp chairs, like all the little luxuries from people who did go and spend a bunch of money earlier on and find out they didn't camp as often as they figured they would.
1: Yeah. Facebook Marketplace has some really great deals on camping gear. And then there's a geartrade.com where you can go and buy or trade camping gear and it's used gear and that's online. So I thought that was a really good resource. So we're big vintage and thrifters. So I pick up used gear that's old or used gear that's just at the thrift store. So that's another option. Actually, I probably could take like 10 families camping, but we do it for a living. So we have a lot of gear.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. No, I mean, that's a huge point, though. Like bringing friends and finding a community is a great way. Like you, when we went camping earlier this summer, we went with a bunch of friends. And two different people in our group brought water containers for us. We didn't have one. We didn't even think that, hey, that would be helpful to have. But the fact that we went with friends meant we didn't need to get our own, which was great for us.
1: (laughs) Another really fun tip we found camping is we always try to think when we're done with our trip, what did we miss out on? Or like, was there anything we didn't bring that we might need for next time? And this summer we finally maxed out. We couldn't think of anything else we needed, but that's still that's been like a lifelong journey of okay, what would we have really liked on this trip so that we can add it next time? And as you know, camping, you can continuously add stuff, but you don't have to. I mean, it's all the comfort level that you want to bring with you.
0: That's a really good point. For someone who isn't normally outdoorsy. Where would you start? Is there a type of campground to look for or a type of campsite to look for? Well,
1: you know, the state campgrounds are very well maintained. We're in Washington state, but I assume all over they are. And there's usually a park ranger or a camp host. So if you want somewhere to feel comfortable, that's really cool. And then there's also Hip Camp. Have you ever heard of Hip Camp?
0: I haven't heard of Hip Camp.
1: Okay, Hip Camp's really cool. So it's like Airbnb, but for campers. So people open up their properties to you and you can go we did it for three summers, and we loved it. So people would come camp on the bottom half of our property, and they would feel safe and welcome. And it was just fun for everybody. But I know they do it all over the US. It's very popular. And it's just called hipcamp.com.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. But that seems like a really worthwhile site. And I'll check it out.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. Because you could go from just camping in a field to us, we have like a roundhouse and an outhouse and a kitchen. So you could have both ends of the spectrum depending on what you're looking for so
0: that's amazing and i mean that actually brings up another thing that probably is first on people's mind but least likely to bring up is going to the bathroom when you're camping what does that look like you know like do you need to prepare for the worst or
1: you know when you're camping in an actual campground i've found that most of the places are very well kept they're very clean i mean i know a lot of people don't like outhouses but My luck has been very, very fortunate, but I do rate campgrounds on how nice their bathrooms are. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's the campground with a great bathroom. On the trail, whole different story. You know, when you're backpacking and you have to find somewhere to go, you just, you know, you want your shovel and you want your biodegradable toilet paper, and it's a bit different.
0: (laughs) Sure. No, that's a really good point, though. We most recently went camping in Michigan, and the bathroom's there, in it was Hoffmaster State Park. Fantastic. Super well kept up. Kind of like a public bathroom only not at like a stadium, like, you know, a good public bathroom, which was not bad. One other thing you do, I think you've mentioned foraging. Is that something? Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about this? This is something I have very little experience in.
1: (laughs) Well, we make these wax canvas foraging pouches designed to collect tinder when you're out backpacking so you can start a fire, but they've been great for people who are doing mushrooms or, you know, you're on the beach and you're collecting rocks and shells and on the farm and you get eggs. Personally, I just like to take pictures of mushrooms because I don't have a great deal of knowledge about them. I'm slowly learning because I just don't you know, want to eat something I'm not supposed to. But foraging is just fun because you get to be out in nature and it doesn't cost anything to forage. I do believe you do need to make sure you have permission for the lands that you're on. They allow you to forage, but I'm always looking down to see what I can find when I'm walking outside.
0: I love it. Yeah, I'm with you. And same, I I garden now and just going outside anywhere. I'm looking at, oh, I, I recognize this plant or that's edible, you know, or that's a mushroom and I don't know. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's me usually. And then I take a picture and then I try to find it in our books to see if I can identify it. So
0: I love I mean, another frugal hobby, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, while You're out enjoying it. I love it. You get to learn something new, too. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about camping. Can you tell me a little bit more about hiking? And especially how does a frugal person get into hiking?
1: Well, I think with any hobby, I really feel like people just need to go out and try it in short doses. Because I think like, if you're to go hiking with someone who does it all the time, it'll feel very intimidating, and it might exhaust you on the first trip. So I think it's really great to try these things out. In they have groups that you can be a part of locally, or there's Facebook groups where they have like beginning hikers, so that you can kind of get a taste of it and see if you like it. And then once you've decided you want to take that more adventurous trip. The hiking equipment I have found tends to be a little more on the expensive side because it's ultra lightweight. So it's a synthetic fiber. It costs a lot more to produce, I'm guessing. I don't know. It's just expensive. We tend to make our own dried food to take on our trips. I find that to be budget friendly to do stuff. I mean, especially over the summer when we have a garden, we can dry stuff out to put in our packs and stuff. A lot of the trail food is really high in calories because you're burning a lot of calories. And that's why the bars are so concentrated and stuff. far as being frugal, really, I would find out if you love it first before you start investing. Anytime I go hiking, I always take with me an emergency kit, water, and fire starter, just no matter what, anytime I go into nature. So it's always good to have those basic things. And where we live, there's bears and cougars. So I try to bring the bear spray too, because you really have to think of safety. And I wear a whistle. It's just a vintage whistle, nothing too expensive. But it's a good safety skill when you're out hiking.
0: That's a really good point, and something I don't think we've talked enough about, the idea of letting nature know you're there so as not to sneak up on something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This episode, as always, was brought to you by Brad's Deals. There's a community of people here scouring the web for the best deals on everything. The site is B-R-A-D-S-D-E-A-L-S dot com. One trick for deal hunters? You can sign up for the Brad's Deals newsletter. That way, you'll have a better chance of snagging something stellar before it sells out. Thanks for listening. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you talk about drying your own foods. Are you using like a food dehydrator?
1: Yeah, we have a big food dehydrator and we're very fortunate to have some cherry trees which don't dry very well, but they're delicious cherries and we have raspberries and blackberries and apples on the property. And salmon berries and thimbleberries. So we do a lot of berry drying. But in the garden, we've dried corn and we have a smoker. So we've learned to smoke meat this last summer. So we're trying to do all those things ourselves. And it's fun.
0: I mean, that's great. I mean, I love that too, because when you buy dried fruits or dried meats or smoked meats, that is expensive. And doing it yourself is an incredible way to save money. So I love that. To tie this more into what you do, one of the reasons I reached out is... It can be tempting to buy really crappy gear to get into a hobby cheaply, but there's a cost to that. Kind of the old saying is, you know, like, do you want to buy the $20 boots every year or would you rather spend the $100 on boots and wear them for a lifetime? Can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on finding quality gear and the importance of quality gear?
1: Yeah, I think as definitely as I've gotten older, I've, I've started to lean towards investing in something one time instead of replacing it five times especially with outdoor gear and like you're saying boots, I mean, if you get a good pair of boots and you treat them, they're going to last like 10 years versus six months. So I think once you're ready to start a hiking or camping hobby, it's really important to decide what you want to get. And we're fortunate now with the internet, you can read reviews, you can ask people what they think of products. So that's really nice. We make heirloom wax canvas gear. And our thought behind our gear is that it's going to last your lifetime and you're going to pass it on to your kids. So it's an investment that's creating memories, but you only have to invest in it once, which is so important. So, you know, if you're just getting something, you know, you're only going to use once, you're not going to want to spend a lot of money. But if you know something you're going to use for the next dozen years, you're going to want to invest in a quality made product. Some of the things you can look for is... If you're in person, you want to look for if your seams are finished and if there's loose threads and if things pull apart. I mean, there's things that you can check on your own to see if something's going to hold up or whether care has been put into it when it was made.
0: You talk about making waxed canvas gear. Is it because it adds like a durability to it or is it making it waterproof or why waxed canvas? Why not just like a canvas bag?
1: So waxed canvas does make it water resistant. It's almost waterproof, but you can't really say that the water rolls right off of it and wax canvas is retreatable. So if you use it for a while, the waxes do break down, but then you can add wax and seal it again. So they've been doing it since the 1800s. And so when we decided to make gear, we wanted something we knew was going to last a long time. And it's my favorite thing to find vintage gear that's 80, 90 years old, and we can still use it because it was made of wax canvas and you can retreat it. And for me it's all about that nostalgic feeling of camping with my grandparents or my parents and it just the wax canvas just makes me feel warm and fuzzy.
0: <laughs> oh, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so besides being durable, it's it's a real memory for me. So, I mean, I hope people use our gear to create memories with their family.
0: I hope so too. There's something about the intentionality of taking a piece of gear and doing the refinishing yourself, you know, adding that wax again when it needs to be rewaxed or refinished. For me, It adds value to it. It was maybe just a piece of gear before. It was just a a satchel. It was just, you know, a pack. But now it's yours. And now you've done something to it. And now it's been with you through this process. I like that about quality anything. Like a pair of jeans that you've had for 10 years, you know, and it's ripped and covered in patches and, you know, it's faded in all the ways that you like it. If you buy cheap jeans, you don't get that, you know, it's just going to tear a dozen times and it's not going to hold up.
1: Yeah. Like I used to have a camping coat and my dad had given it to me and I wore that for 15 years. I was like, we can't go camping unless I have the camping coat until I wore it out. But it was great quality. So it lasted a really long time. And it was probably four sizes too big, but it was my camping coat.
0: So we've talked about some of the the basics here. Now I'm just interested in, tell me your, your exciting moments out there. Like what gets you out there every year? What's the thing that drives you out back to the campgrounds and back to the trails? besides nostalgia?
1: I feel like just being outside resets you. It just resets you and it makes you feel so good. And I'm fortunate that we live on 11 acres and I have a mountain as a backyard. So like every day I am outside because it just refreshes you. And then I love camping because there's no electronics and people sit around fire and the stories are always amazing and people just pay attention and that just feels so good. I was fortunate to have a dozen teenage girls come to the property for like a camp out skills thing. And the conversations that evolved around a campfire are just magical. I mean, they got deep and it was beautiful to see. And I think when people are without distractions, they're so much better.
0: (laughs) I totally agree. It's a very hard thing to duplicate in, you know, a busy environment. Even in just like your everyday environment, your house might not be busy, but there's distractions everywhere.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you can't get anything done camping. That's a really big thing for me because, you know, the outdoors and nature is part of my day every day. In order to turn it off, we'd leave to go camping where there is no internet and I can't get anything done but hang out with my family. And I just think it's just so important to have that time with
0: people. I love it. I love the idea too of, again, it is an intentional choice to leave your property it doesn't cost any money. You know, it just costs time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I live somewhere gorgeous. So you know, half an hour from the house is a creek, a river, a waterfall. I mean, Mount Baker is an hour and a half drive and I can be up in the snow. So I'm I'm very centrally located for enjoying lots of nature. So that's pretty awesome.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. If you didn't know it, let's say you weren't in, you know, it sounds like basically heaven. How would you go about finding a like a hiking trail?
1: Geocaching is a lot of fun. We call it treasure hunting. You can actually pull up the app and it'll tell you in your area where there are things to go find. So besides being outdoors, you now have a mission to find a treasure. So I tell lots of people about that because the easy ones are easy. They're easy to find. They're an easy walk or an easy hike and they're all outdoors. So what better way to get outdoors and explore by going treasure hunting? So that's a lot of fun for our family and kids love it too. So geocaching is great for all ages. When you're in a new city too, when you're traveling, I think geocaching is a great way to find the local parks and stuff when you pull that app up. Again, the internet is amazing for finding places to go. Your city websites tend to have really good information about trails and parks and your parks and recs. And then what's nice about parks and recs website is they tend to let you know what classes are there and what events are coming up so you can join activities if it's not something you want to do alone.
0: That's a really good point. You also mentioned one of your efforts being getting more women outdoors and, you know, kind of empowering them to to make these choices. What more can you say to that? Like, what, what tips do you have for women who haven't done this yet, or as much as they want to?
1: Well, I think it's one of those things that it's not as scary as you think it's going to be. You don't need a lot of equipment. And I really feel like the campgrounds are safe. I wouldn't go remote camping by myself to start out with until I really got the hang of things. But at my place, I will be like hosting classes where people learn basic. Tarp shelters, fire starting skills, knife safety, because I think knowledge gives you confidence and power. And if there's a place for you to go learn these things, then you'll feel so much better. And if you're in a safe and non-judgmental environment, you're going to learn more. Because I think if there's a bunch of people camping, and you're trying to learn how to start a fire, and seven people are watching you, it's just not going to go well. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, very good advice. Are there any other topics we haven't really talked about that you want to dive into?
1: No, I just really want to encourage people to get outside. Your whole well-being is better just from being outside and hearing nature and hearing birds sing. And I just think everybody needs to get outside. I run an online business, so I don't have any problems with the internet or being online, but I think there's definitely a balance of being indoors and outdoors. And if people are feeling overwhelmed, if they just get outside, even just to a local park and just B, they're going to feel so much better. And it's free. It doesn't cost anything.
0: I love it. I think you've brought up a bunch of different reasons you go outside. And if it's geocaching that gets you out, or if it's hiking, or if it's camping, all of these are worth it. And I can't recommend it enough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if you just want to go out and take beautiful pictures with your phone, right? I mean, it's as easy as that. I'm going to go get some great fall shots, and then you can enjoy them later on your computer. So
0: I think we're very much on the same page. (laughs) And thank you so much (laughs) for taking time to chat today. And thank you so much for telling us a little bit about, I mean, what you do in your life. Where can people find you?
1: Our website is PNW Bushcraft. You can also find me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at PNW Bushcraft shop. And that's like, Pacific Northwest, but PNW Bushcraft, in case it doesn't come out just right. We have all our handmade gear. We make it here in the US. We buy our products in the US. We're very made in America. We ship super fast because I don't like to wait for stuff. So I like to get it in the mail really fast. And yeah, so that's where people can find out more about us. And we also have a TV show streaming and on YouTube called PNW Bushcraft Adventures. And then you can learn what we're up to. And it's pretty fun.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to check that out. And I hope other people do too. But thanks again. It was a real pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I'm glad to share the tips, and I hope I was helpful.
0: (laughs) I really enjoyed this conversation. It reminded me of the quote which I wanted to end on. It's from Terry Pratchett's book Men at Arms. The reason that the rich were so rich, Vimes reasoned, was because they managed to spend less money. Take boots, for example. He earned $38 a month plus allowances. A really good pair of leather boots cost $50, but an affordable pair of boots, which were sort of okay for a season or two, then leaked like hell when the cardboard gave out, cost about $10. Those were the kind of boots Vimes always bought, and wore until the soles were so thin he could tell where he was in ankh on a foggy night by the feel of the cobbles. But the thing was that good boots lasted for years and years. A man who could afford $50 had a pair of boots that'd still be keeping his feet dry in 10 years' time, while a poor man who could only afford cheap boots would have spent $100 on boots in the same time and still have wet feet. Special thanks to our guest, Heather Salisbury. This episode was edited by Jenny bloveld I'm Jim Marcus. <laughs>